Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome everyone to the Fanalytics podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. I am joined by Doug Battle. It is January 26th and this is our second take <laughs> on this week's podcast because one of us, shockingly, the older one had a technical snafu. How are you, Doug? <laughs> I am well, Mike. I feel very prepared for today's podcast. It's as if I've already done it before. Um but this last weekend, some great football, man. The NFL, come playoff time, it's just another level of entertainment. And I'm excited for our quarterback matchup in the Super Bowl between the face of the future of the NFL and Patrick Mahomes and the face of this most recent generation of NFL quarterbacks, which is Tom Brady. No, wait, wait. Did you say Tom Brady was the most recent generation of quarterbacks? I mean, the like... <laughs> most previous uh, okay i got previous. you got you see see now this is this is the problem right when you <laughs> when you do the podcast once and, and look there, there's kind of this uh this idea of priming right where and the danger of priming is it starts to get you into some directions right so <laughs> so when we do the podcast basically we, we start out with a loose plan and this week's episode is really almost like reflecting back on the NFL season, right? At the very beginning of the season, we had all these great quarterback mm -hmm. stories. Dak Prescott, uh, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady in a new city, Cam Newton playing for Bill Belichick, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Mitch Taberski. What's the Trubitsky. <laughs> okay. All these great stories. And then at the end of the year, we've got sort of almost what the sports media complex would have asked for in terms of how it came about, right? Because the, the story just writes itself. It's almost like a coming-of-age story right. or the, the last stand of the previous generation. But you've got the arguably the goat in Tom Brady and then the guy that it looks like he could be the the next best NFL quarterback, at least until Jacksonville uh, does their draft. <laughs> well, I mean, I think Mahomes won his first Super Bowl at the same age as Tom Brady, I believe. So he's technically on the same trajectory and pace that Brady was on. Of course, it would be tremendous for him to sustain that, but there's no reason to believe at the moment that the Chiefs aren't going to keep having success. Um, other than the fact that Mahomes is probably eating their entire salary cap. They no longer have him on a rookie contract. But um, so, it, you know, he could be in the GOAT conversation a few years from now. I think there's already people that think, oh, he's he right now is better than Brady ever was, like just in this moment. Uh, but we'll get to see on Super Bowl Sunday, like I think Tom Brady winning would be like when, like for me, if I got in an arm wrestle with my dad, like I work out every day and I'm like, I'm 25. I'm almost 25. I'm like in like my athletic prime right now. If I were in the NBA, these would be my my prime years. Um, I'm not in the NBA though. I do the Fanalytics podcast. But 
if I did an arm wrestle with my dad, it's like he would still beat me just because not because he's been in the gym or because he's in his prime or any of that, but it's just because like he's got he's got man strength. Like he's just a man. He's my dad and he's always going to beat me because he's my dad. And I feel like that will be the feeling if Tom Brady wins. It's like it's not that he's the better athlete right now. Um, he's just Tom Brady. Yeah, playing your heroes has got to be a tough thing, right? Yeah. Right? Because, and I, I know what you're saying. It's like, you, you know, on some level, it's like, yeah, you know, when you were when you were three, your dad was three feet taller than you or four feet taller. Right. right? And, and so it's hard to, it's kind of hard to over overcome that. Um, it's kind of, that that is an interesting way to tell that story, though. Does your dad know that he's still living in your head? Yeah. You know, it's almost like does Rent Tom free. Brady <laughs> does Tom Brady know that he can get into Mahomes' head by uh, you know coming out for the coin toss and yeah. I don't know saying good luck, young man. Maybe next year, right? Yeah. You know, is there a mental game that Brady can play on that? Well, I think we saw some of that with Kobe Bryant, and uh, which today's the anniversary of his passing, RIP. But Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, when they overlapped in the NBA, uh, some of the stories you'll hear Jordan saying, you know, stuff he was telling Kobe that that you know he's always going to be a number two. To, he's always going to be kind of a knockoff Michael Jordan, and <laughs> and and they kind of had that that rivalry uh, playfully of course but but nonetheless it's like you do wonder if it affects them but the one thing that's different in the NFL like when it's Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan that's two shooting guards they play the same position so they guard each other every possession uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady are not going to be on the field at the same time uh, unless they put Mahomes in a safety or something wild like but, you know it's 2021 crazy things could happen but they will discuss that I mean you, you can almost hear that that Brady outdueled or met Mahomes outdueled Brady, right? As if they were head to head. Head to head. And yeah. Well, no. That's what's fascinating to me about football is the uh, the storyline, the narrative is often between two quarterbacks who are actually not directly competing against each other. Like Patrick Mahomes is competing against the Buccaneers' defense. Tom Brady is competing against the Chiefs' defense. Uh, but we're likely to hear nothing but, you know. Brady bested Mahomes in this area, but Mahomes, you know, at the end of the day, bested him in this area. You know, I, I think sort of in reflection, you know, it's been a strange year for sports, honestly. Understatement. <laughs> the Strangest. you know, the NBA's the NBA's ratings were down about fifty percent. The NHL for the finals. The NHA NHL finals were down sixty percent. MLB was off. And again, the Going from memory here, I want to say they were in the neighborhood of about you know twenty five thirty percent off. Yeah, and the NFL has in fact been down. I think the last numbers I saw were about ten percent, maybe uh, seven seven to ten percent for the season. Um, and, you know, don't quote those as uh, as facts, but it is kind of interesting because when I when I think about this last year in sports, I do tend to think of it. Oh, you know, this is the NBA season and. In the bubble, with all the kind of strangeness, this was uh, MLB with all the teams doing relatively odd things. Of here's some cardboard cutouts. Here, <laughs> yeah. But with the NFL, you know, oddly, when I reflect back on that, I, I tend to go, you know, I think about the the quarterbacks. Yeah. And you know, and I go all the way back to wh- where we started this, right? Of like, oh, you know, new prospects coming in, guys coming of age. And how well that story, it, while there's also this old guard of Breeze, Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, 
you know, it was almost like we we sort of almost don't have any. We have very few guys in the middle of those two. Right. We went like 10 or 15 years with no new quarterbacks that lasted. And then you got a whole batch of them now. Um, and obviously you had a whole batch. Even that one draft where it was Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, like back to back to back. Like those three uh, have, have you know, that's that's 10% of the league's quarterbacks over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, and, and there were a few years like that uh, way back when. And then it's been a lot of years of like maybe one guy pans out. Maybe, but even years where it's like Jameis Winston goes number one, and yeah. now he's the third string guy for the Saints, and, um, and and all of a sudden we're back to Joe Burrow <laughs> looks like a stud, Kyler Murray looks like a stud, Baker Mayfield's been the guy in Cleveland. Um, it it certainly looks like you know there there could be a handful of guys in this next draft coming up. Not to mention Justin Herbert last year, Josh Allen a few years ago. So. I think this Super Bowl matchup, like the quarterback matchup that we're going to hear about so much, is such a microcosm of this league and and the passing of the guard from a Tom Brady to a Mahomes. Or the delaying of the passing of the guard, which is... Yeah, or we'll see. We'll see. It's like... It's no different than if it were Drew Brees against Lamar Jackson or or something of that nature. And I mean, it's a small point, but it was even kind of interesting where, you know, look, in the the NFC, you had... uh, yeah, Brady versus Breeze, right? And then mm-hmm. you had yeah. Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, where, where it almost felt like, and I think Brady had already kind of won the GOAT title. Just what, What's his, oh, yeah. the stats are that he's been in just about 20% of all the Super Bowls, right? I mean, it's the, the, the numbers but, I are mean, ludicrous, right? Yeah, but to be fair, like I've said it myself, I think I said it last week on the show that I've always been. I've always been in the camp that if Aaron Rodgers had been in the same teams that Tom Brady was on, that he would be people would see him as the goat, and that he's just as good. So there's still that debate, and there's still that oh. intri- intrigue with with uh, Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees going up against Tom Brady in the playoffs. The beauty of sports, right? And yeah, what, what, so we had kind of the uh, you know the senior circuit, you know, fighting it out for the final dominance, right? In terms of right, right. And then on the other side, in the AFC, you know, we had Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes. Lamar, Jackson, Josh Allen. <laughs> right. And, you know, it is interesting, right, that none of those other guys were able to to break through. And, you know, Mahomes is wearing the young man's crown, and he's got, he's continuing to wear it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's as if Kobe Bryant and LeBron had, had had an NBA Finals matchup early in LeBron's career, um, I, I think this is probably close to the equivalent where it's like Mahomes is the clear face of this group of quarterbacks, of this current generation and, and what we perceive as the future of the league, um, just like LeBron was at that time in the NBA. Uh, it's like there were some other guys. There was Dwayne Wade and there were some guys, but LeBron was the guy and, and that's pretty much undisputed. Um, and, and of course, Tom Brady with the amount of Super Bowls he's won, having six rings like Jordan uh, is the closest thing to Michael Jordan that football's had. Yeah, I mean, so it brings up a couple of other issues kind of kind of going forward. Um, you know, number one, you alluded to it, right? The and you alluded to it in like sort of two different ways. So, you know, number one, what kind of teams is Mahomes going to be on given the, given the size of his salary, right? Uh, right, yeah. Uh, and number two, you know, like even the issue of, well, you can't really compare, you can't really compare anyone, right? You can't compare um, uh, Brady to, 
Rodgers because they played with different coaches and on different teams. And so, you know, moving forward, right, in, in some ways, maybe Brady really did do his due diligence in terms of finding a great situation to play his final couple of years. And now the right. question for Mahomes to get into that GOAT conversation and, and let, let's say, I, I don't know, well, you got to win at least four Super Bowls now or uh, have to win five now. Brady has set the bar so high. I mean, Brady's got six, yeah. so it's it's always going to... Because, I mean, that was with, with Kobe and Jordan. Like, yeah. Kobe, Kobe finished his career with five rings. Jordan had six, and that's what people always use at, at the end of the day. Well, Jordan had more rings. Yeah, uh, well, they're very similar as players, and, and Kobe stats needed are similar. Shaq, right? I mean, you know... The, yeah, there's the Kobe needed Shaq. This is Shaq the beautiful and, thing about this, right? It never ends. Yeah, which is, you know, of course, in basketball, we love to ignore... The like, like I'll hear all the time now. Wow, it's it's going to take Brooklyn, you know, having three all stars to compete against LeBron James. Um, it's like, well, LeBron plays with Anthony Davis, and they've got an absolutely loaded team. I mean, people do that with Kobe. Kobe needed Shaq in order to accomplish what Jordan accomplished. Like, well, Jordan had a Hall of Fame point guard with him, and you know, a heck of a bench and and starting five really, and. Of course, the same head coach, one of the greatest basketball head coaches of all time. So we love to compare mm-hmm. um, players where there's a lot of variables that that are, are factors that we aren't always taking into consideration. Yeah, there are no controlled experiments in the world of sports. No, no. <clears throat> but so then, the, the- unless it's like an individual, unless it's a race. I mean, you can directly compare Usain Bolt to the next guy, you know, running that same race <laughs> fifty years apart. But. I, I don't know, can you? It's like uh, the. The PEDs of Ben Johnson, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, But, you know, so then the question becomes is, you know, and this will all, look, every era says this of, you know, it was easier to have dynasties back then before they changed the rules. Yeah. But the Patriots went out there and with revenue sharing and salary caps and all these things, the Patriots went out there and they created one hell of a dynasty yeah. And so now can the Chiefs do it? And so, you know, look, Belichick's taking a beating right now in terms of, well, it was mostly about Brady. But I think you got to be realistic and say, well, you know, it was Brady, Belichick, and it was whoever was doing the front office magic for all those years. Yeah. We look yeah. at Mahomes and, you know, what a dynamic athlete he is. The other ones are the other factors in that are kind of, kind of mysteries, right? So we'll, yeah. Well, yeah, one thing I will say about the Chiefs and their front office is um, from the day they drafted Patrick Mahomes, I mean, they've made some great, great moves, uh, great values. Even uh, as a Georgia fan, and I know I, I end up talking about Georgia every week, and I apologize to everybody that hates Georgia. but um, You know what? But, the, the podcast <laughs> is called Fanalytics, and you are just, you're just cementing the point, right? It's... Uh, Fandom, fandom 101 here's yeah you know when we write the textbook for this we're gonna have a big picture of you wearing spiked shoulder pads yeah um but as a fan of, of the georgia bulldogs and following them really close i always every year going to the draft there's always one player that i feel like this player's a bargain he was underutilized in college he would be a first round pick if he had played at, at you know school xyz and won a national championship but he was in this role on this team he didn't have a good quarterback and it was McCall Hardman, uh, and I felt like he's going to be a steal for whoever gets him. Whatever get whoever whatever team gets him is you know they're finding diamonds in the rough. And of course, it it was the Kansas City Chiefs, and he was part of their Super Bowl team last year. He's part of their team this year. 
Um, so uh, there's a number of players like that on their team. Uh, but I mean, Tyreek Hill, I don't think anyone had him projected him to have the career that he's had. Yeah, but um, but here's so, the, but the key is right. So the front office, they caught lightning, right? Can you catch yeah. lightning for 20 years? Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. And that's right. the uh, no. Look, I mean, I, I think there's definitely something to it, right? I mean, there are definitely programs, and it, you know, at the college level, the idea of a program should be relatively easy, right? Alabama yeah. with good coaching will persist. Georgia with good coaching will persist. But in the good NFL, recruiting. yeah, you know, it, it it's one of the strange things where over the last 20 years, and again, I'm just gonna guess that the Cleveland Browns go to the playoffs once or twice. The Cincinnati Bengals go to the playoffs once or twice. The mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers go in the Baltimore Ravens go to the playoffs, you know, 12, 13 times. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it's, you know, organizational magic. And that, that, look, that's a tough thing from the outside looking into of what is making that, what is making yeah. that work. Cause we just don't, we don't get to see it. Yeah, and another, I mean, there's two more things I want to know in regards to the Chiefs is it gets harder every year. The more success you have, the harder it gets because, not just because there's that standard, but because, like, technically your your assets are worse as far as the draft. Uh, you know, Mahomes may be taken in the late teens or early 20s. Well, they're not going to have a pick in the late teens or early 20s to take a player of that caliber as long as he's their quarterback, it seems. I mean, as long as they keep having the success, they're going to be pick number 29, pick number 30, pick number, you know, they're right up there. They're going to have to pay guys and they're going to have less opportunity. You know, they're going to pay guys, which is going to make it hard to operate in free agency. And they're going to be picking later and later. Yeah, but on the flip side, uh, this is something we see in basketball all the time. It'll be interesting to see um, how it plays out for a franchise like the Chiefs in the NFL is you become a more attractive destination to free agents when you're having success. Mm-hmm. There are guys, especially veteran guys, that maybe they've made their money and and there comes a point where you, know, you have so much money that you're going to be paying for your, your children's great nephews education um, with your millions of dollars and maybe you want to go win a championship. Maybe that becomes a priority and you're willing to sacrifice and pay for it. And we've seen that of course in the NBA with a lot of role players, a lot of bench shooters. I remember Ray Allen going to the Miami heat on a bargain um, and and being the guy that won them a championship essentially against the San Antonio Spurs. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if, if a team like the chiefs, if they're able to leverage their success on the field and to make up for the fact that they're getting worse draft picks by swinging bargains and free agency, by drawing people to become part of a successful franchise. No, I, I think it's an interesting theory. and Who knows how the world's going to go, right? It, um, mm-hmm. Because I do think we're, look, the NBA, that is the business model. now. Right? Yeah. The NBA, every offseason seems to, look, I, I don't think we're in this, let's go back to, uh, let's think about Michael Jordan and, Jerry Krause and the, <laughs> yeah. the the Last Dance, right? Which might be the best documentary in terms of really zeroing in on how a general manager operates, right? right. Back in that time period, Jerry Krause is that he was Jerry Krause was doing succession planning for Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, that is clearly not how the NBA operates. Now we have yeah. a couple of guys deciding, hey, let's go play together in Brooklyn. That seems like a good thing to do, or let's go play for. Steve Ballmer in the sec for the second team in LA at the Clippers, right? And we'll sort of join forces and hopefully build our brands 
that way. The idea of that starting to happen in the NFL, I think, is absolutely is absolutely fascinating. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of you know examples, and I'm sure there are some. I, well, I mean, Gronk, yeah. Gronk joining Tom Brady down in Tampa, and and Leonard Fournette coming, yeah, via, you know, having been waived. But but that's kind of it. It's like there's there's almost a little bit of you know. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I could think it could definitely move in in that direction. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's more stickiness in the yes. NFL, yes, right? There is absolutely, and the careers tend to be tend to be shorter. And look, I'm almost wondering, like in the look, we'll go back to uh, Pittsburgh Steelers example where they let arguably the best running back and the best wide receiver leave, right? It's like <laughs> in the case of football, with how players you know take on so much wear and tear. Uh-huh. Is there such a case of let's let's call it asymmetric information? You know right. that the, like the Steelers knew what they, maybe the Steelers knew what they were doing when they let those guys. Yeah, they did. Go. And then you know, in the case of Gronk, yeah, I mean, he, he seemed like he was. Uh, you know, it, it, I guess it's more of a basketball. Seems like there's less variance that Kevin Durant is going to be Kevin Durant for years and years. But the best running back in the NFL may well be the 30th best running back next, next year. year. Right, right. And we see that all the time in football. Um, but your point about stickiness in the NFL, um, really, that thought has been on my mind lately with free agency coming up in the NFL and looking at the state of the league and the fact that it seems as though Matt Stafford wants out of Detroit finally. It seems as though Aaron Rodgers is entertaining the possibility of leaving Green Bay, uh, which was unthinkable at, at some point in time. Um, and I start to wonder, did Tom Brady, you know, did his success, is, is that going to start kind of a revolution amongst quarterbacks realizing, hey, I need a great offensive line. I need a great group of receivers. I need a great offensive coach. And if I if my contract's expiring, I don't have to re-sign with this team. And yes, I can probably I'm sure the rules are set up for them to make more money by staying with the team that drafted them. Uh, but a lot of the earnings of these players are are based on Super Bowls and their their personal brand um, and even the market that they're in. And so looking at it, looking at the state of the league, looking at this group of young quarterbacks in the NFL and the franchises they're on. I mean, Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns, uh, Justin Herbert. Well, he, he, I guess it was San Diego, but now he's in LA. So he's, he's good as far as the market goes, even though their fandom um, it typically ranks amongst the bottom of the league. Um, Buffalo, Josh Allen, Baltimore, Kansas City is, is historically not. And when I say they're not a great fan base, of course, they have incredibly passionate fans. Uh, but from a numbers perspective, they're not one of the, they're not the New York Giants. They're not the Dallas Cowboys. They're not the Washington football team or or I know I'm just naming NFC East teams, but um they're not one of those historic your points, huge your market points well brands. taken. I mean, you know, if Patrick Mahomes wins one Super Bowl for the Jets, how many Super Bowls does he have to win for Kansas City to make as much money off the field? Right. I mean right. and I mean that's that's just kind of the reality. You win a Super Bowl for the Giants and the like you win a Super Bowl for the Giants, and you're probably at a minimum going to have a TV broadcasting contract into your 60s. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you win a Michael Super, Strahan, yeah, yeah, you you win a Super Bowl <laughs> for someone else, and it's it's just not going to be the the same. 
you know, as you you were talking about the the issue in this, you know, something did occur, right? That because I, I was thinking about Prescott, and yeah. you know, Prescott wanted to get paid while the Cowboys didn't have to actually pay him, right? Right. And the 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 preference was enormously to get the money as soon as possible. And so, you know, maybe this does kind of come back to this this nature of uh, the the high prevalence of injury in the NFL, which slows mm-hmm. down that kind of hey, let's form a super team somewhere, mm-hmm. because you know inevitably people want to get paid; they want that next signing bonus two years before the contract expires, right? Because they don't want to roll the dice on being healthy for those two years, and so perhaps that's what's causing that that stickiness and that that kind of lock in. Um, it is a good. It is a really interesting question. I mean, you know, the Super Bowl position has evolved really rapidly as the salaries have skyrocketed and they've started to get yeah. guaranteed money. But I, you know, what will be the, let's say the next position potentially that becomes the the way you do form? And I'll, I'll just I'm referencing the NBA when I tell you this: when you start to build that super team, right? And uh-huh. you know, perhaps the other problem right, is in the how many guys? Let me ask you this. In the NBA, you need two guys apparently to create a super team. How many mm-hmm. do you need in the NFL? You need a lot more. Um, I think for for me looking at it, it may be a little bit less about it being a super team and more about just looking at these quarterbacks. Like, what's the formula to be in the goat conversation? You look at the guys that are in it now. Tom Brady, he was drafted super late by a really good franchise. He inherited. When, when he took over for Drew Bledsoe, he inherited essentially a Super Bowl team. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, drafted late, goes to Green Bay, takes over for Brett Favre, and walks right into a successful thing. Well, what where do most of the best quarterbacks go in the draft? They go early, right? And so they're walking into just horrible situations. You look at Joe Burrow this last year. He goes into Cincinnati, tears his ACL. He's running for his life every play. Um, And it was just a matter of time before something like that happens. And so for these quarterbacks individually, the guys that want to be thought of as the GOATs, they know they've got to win rings. They've got to win Super Bowls. And when you're drafted high, um, it's incredibly difficult to do that because you're going to a team that's starting out way behind. They might have a really bad offensive line. They may have no receivers. They might have horrible management, horrible drafting that's kept them at the bottom of the league for so long. And so it's to me, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that we haven't seen uh, more mobility amongst quarterbacks in the league after the first contract. Um, uh, like in the NBA, you look at Zion Williamson in the NBA, and I don't think anybody expects him to play for the Pelicans for his entire career. I think the expectations, you know, he'll he'll play out that first contract, then he'll go play for the Lakers, or he'll go play for the Celtics, or he'll go play for a big market team um, that competes for championships regularly. I think I think you're right. It is a little bit curious why yeah. when, when a star quarterback arises, it doesn't even seem to matter what the market is those organizations are able to convince that quarterback to sign with them for the long term. Yeah, and right? I mean, Staff- Stafford's a great example. He's been in Detroit for forever, and now it looks as though he's going to leave. Um, but he's a guy that I've always felt, who knows, but yeah. 
But how, what's the difference in him and Tom Brady? Like, well, how do you know that he's not as good or he's not because he doesn't have playoff wins? Well, he plays for the Lions. Like, how's he going to, you know, he, he yeah. took over a 0-16 team. For whatever reason, to me, it always seems like the guys that do do the free agency route, in, and not to pick on them, but they're always the guys that are like kind of Kirk Cousins, right? <laughs> Where yeah, right. they are viewed as a solid quarterback, but no one... No one seems to really be committed to make them the f- the the face of the franchise, right? right? They're they're not willing to to cross that line and say, okay, we're going to give you a fifteen year deal with it, right? It's well, I think there's some market inefficiencies for yeah. players like like Kirk Cousins, where he plays for the Washington Football Team, and <laughs> do you just his, like saying that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I love saying it. It makes me feel so woke. Um, he plays for the Washington Football Team. I'll say it again, and he, um. You know, he wants to be paid what his market value is. And at the time, there's maybe 10 quarterbacks in the NFL that are starting caliber players um, on 30 teams. So there's a lot of teams that want anybody that can just throw the football and, and take care of it pretty well. And so his value goes way up in an offseason where there's maybe not um, – a lot of great quarterbacks on the market and for a team like Washington it's like we're not they know like they don't value him as much as some desperate team does so they let him go and he walks and we see that all the time with with those that tier of quarterbacks the Kirk Cousins tier so where do you um any thoughts on where kind of the interesting movement's going to be the interesting draft picks you know obviously NFL has been waiting for Trevor Lawrence for a number of years he will undoubtedly line up, end up in in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. Yeah. Um, what else are you looking for? Any um, um, any teams you what, think are going to move on from established guys? It's it look yeah. in, in some ways this is the quarterback position seems to be the closest that the NFL comes to the NBA in terms of kind of marquee big brand name. You know those kind of superstar excitement you know building excitement by player changes yeah um i mean looking at the league of course with the draft you've got trevor lawrence likely going to jacksonville although i know jacksonville will be able to haul in quite the uh (laughs) the amount of assets if they were to trade that pick um but trevor lawrence zach wilson out of byu a lot of people have him going second even though he's lesser known than justin fields and then justin fields who in high school was you know ended up ranked ahead of trevor lawrence and um has had quite the impressive run at ohio state and so i think those three are guys that i think there's a handful of guys in this draft that you know have the potential to to really make a mark on the league in the coming years um and i look forward to seeing that because quite frankly there's quite a few teams in need of a quarterback you look at Detroit likely losing Stafford, uh, Philip Rivers retiring from Indianapolis, and their only quarterback on their roster right now is Jacob Eason. So they're going to at least bring in one more guy. You would think probably one or two. Um, New England in a situation with Cam Newton where he did not perform to their level of expectation. Jarrett Stidham, um, you know, doesn't seem to be the guy, but they've got this pretty good infrastructure for a quarterback otherwise so if they were to bring in an Aaron Rodgers or a Matt Stafford they could be competing for championships immediately a lot of people you know seem to think um so you look across the league and and there's a few situations like that yeah that's uh, a that's a great potential story for the 2021 season right one of yeah. those kind of old 
old warriors going to New England to help Belichick yeah. to Well then it would yeah. it would kind of you know for someone like Aaron Rodgers if he were to do that or Matt Stafford it would kind of rekindle cuz this year it feels as though Brady won that argument yeah. that was it Brady or Belichick uh, or you know was it Brady or the system and now people are saying okay it was Brady cuz he did it with the Bucks too well if Aaron Rodgers after years of not making the Super Bowl since he last won one goes to New England and immediately makes the Super Bowl and people will say, wow, what would Aaron Rodgers have done mm-hmm. if he had been in New England his whole career? He'd probably have six or seven. Well, um, for Stafford, talk about yeah, kind of like flipping the whole narrative of his mm-hmm. career, right? Of, yeah. well, this was a guy that just, you know, he, he was in the just wrong. couldn't get it done. He was yeah. in the wrong place. And now you put yeah. him with, uh, you know, a, a great coach and boom. It's, it's almost like. Yeah. Imagine the Stafford's calling his agent saying, Can we can we can we get the can we get that done? Can we go there? I would love yeah. to see it yeah. um personally, but but can't you see Stafford or Aaron Aaron Rodgers making the Super Bowl yeah. for the Patriots playing against Tom Brady for the Bucks in you know, 2022? Obviously there's a lot to go into it, right? And I think players now have to be very cognizant of salary cap situations. Yeah. But if we're just talking about creating the storylines and if these guys are interested in sort of building their legends yeah then you know going to new england would be god that'd be an easy call you know it's like yeah. setting yourself and, up for all the media attention in the world i just can see it finally happening like finally evolving to that in the nba in the nfl because you look at the nba um, that really wasn't the model for a very long time the first time i really saw anyone take a cut in order to compete was Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch. Both um, were not paid nearly what they were capable of being paid in order to play alongside LeBron James for the Miami Heat on that team, you know, orchestrated by Pat Riley um, with Eric Spolster as head coach. And those are guys that, like a guy like Dwayne Wade realized, you know, he's got two rings at the time and, or maybe one, I don't remember, but, um, but, looking at his legacy and what he wants to accomplish in his career. Like at that point, it's about championships. And you think for, you would think for a guy like Stafford and the amount of money that he's made, um, but also the amount of losses he's taken and, and the amount of, I'm sure frustrating teams he's had to be a part of that. It would feel like, you know what I will, if I have to, if to make it work on their calories, their salary cap, um, I'll do what I have to do to play for a team like New England and try to win a Super Bowl and, and try to go down as one of the all-time greats, um, regardless of the fact that I've been on this lousy team for the last 15 years. Or, or It seems yeah. like it's been 15. Okay, so interesting Super Bowl coming up. Interesting kind of point of emphasis or conclusion uh, for the NFL season. Yeah. As I was saying, you know, it, traumatic year for all the sports leagues, a lot of difficulties, a lot of challenges. Yet again, the NFL seems to be the winner. I, I don't oh, know yeah. what it is exactly. It's sort of the the magical league that things, I mean, look, their ratings are down a little bit. The things always work out for the NFL. It's a yeah. it's a machine and the, the the stories, the legends, the narratives, beautiful. Okay, now, when we did take one of this episode... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it um the and look we come on like I said we come on with a loose plan and let the conversation go. There's there's no obviously no scripting. But last time I'll, I'll I will bring up one specific thing that you said and that was 
And, and I thought about it since you said it, and I've come full. I've, I'm in full agreement now. Is that I know um, where this is going? <laughs> Eminem <laughs> is is in the world of music also the goat. He's he's Tom Brady. That was what I was saying. Yeah. And and to to add some context because that statement was taking way way out of context from what we were talking about. We talked about uh, Conor McGregor and, and his his fight and losing. And um, I asked Mike if he had seen the promo they did for that on ESPN okay, okay, so with let, Eminem. Let, let's let's back it all up. So the the other thing that's happened in the world of sports was Conor McGregor was defeated by. Dustin Diamond, and it just makes me laugh because I think it's a Saved by the Bell reference, right? Dustin Diamond um, Poirier, and it's an interesting story in terms of marketing. And look, I love Conor McGregor. I love his swagger. I think he is one of the top couple of showmen in the world of sports all time. You know, it's Conor McGregor. It's Floyd Mayweather. It's Michael Jordan in a different way. You know, in, in terms of the guys that just, it's like, I, I don't think they're sports marketers. I think it's just in their blood. It's like in their DNA that they uh, create the product. Yeah. <laughs> but th- this raises the issue, right, of in, in MMA, there's always going to be a challenge. And then look, this is kind of true of football as well, that your assets, your brands wear out. And so maybe Connor has had a few too many defeats, a few too many fights. Maybe he's on the downside. So what does what does MMA? What does uh, Ultimate Fighting? What what do they look for next? And that got us to the conversation of Conor McGregor, Tom Brady, and then Doug brought in Eminem. And like I said, it, it kind of threw me for a second. But in you know, in hindsight, I, I'm with you. Okay, so now make your case for Eminem yes. as yes, my the case goat. for Eminem. Um, Slim Shady, yeah. So there was a video promo that apparently Eminem partnered with ESPN and uh, the MMA to create this video where it was his music video. He's in the ring rapping uh, his song Higher, which is a song about lyrically, it's about how do I stay at the top of my game when I've already reached and already accomplished everything there is to accomplish. So he's in that position of Tom Brady. Um, in the song, and that's kind of how they portray Eminem. It's like, how do you stay hungry? How do you how do you keep fighting? How do you stay the greatest when you have nothing left to achieve? Um, and, and they were kind of making that comparison to a few different fighters that have been successful and showing their highlights, you know, alongside or even going back between the music video and that. And then there was an interruption uh, by ESPN, and they did this fake interview of, of Eminem as if he were an athlete discussing his rap music because he views it as a sport and he prepares and, and trains um, lyrically and, and all the rest as if it's and as a performer as if it's a sport and so they were really drawing that parallel and that's where I was making the point that like looking at what he's achieved and looking at his age like that, that guy's Tom Brady's 43 and he's in the Super Bowl Eminem's 48 and he may have just put out the best album of his career, which it's not, you know, maybe not the radio attention that that some of his younger stuff got. And I don't think he cares about that. He just does it to to try to outdo himself. Um, he's 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 trying to break his own records at this point. And, and so there there's that parallel to me between the rapper Eminem and and an athlete like Tom Brady. 
No, and, and look, I, I think it's totally fair because I'm not going to claim to be an expert on that on that uh, segment of the culture, but <laughs> I do know enough to realize that Eminem has created has created a body of work that transcends time. That I think every new uh, cohort of junior high boys finds and absolutely <laughs> loves and so you know people can criticize art or performance all they want he's created something that like i said resonates across generations which is truly kind of a, a special thing and then yeah. the reality that he has been i don't recall when did he sort of first hit the limelight was it the late 90s um, the early 2000s early 2000s 90s, yeah. okay and so and that he's also been doing this for decades and you know you can even add further you know some of the duets that he's done he has maintained a position in popular culture look he's created an enduring art he's create he's you know existed in popular culture which really favors a younger man um right a young or youthful performers i'm with you you win. You convinced me of that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the we could call I this episode th- three goats: Brady McGregor, <laughs> Brady McGregor, and Eminem. Um, Eminem. M&M. <laughs> um, I think that like Tom Brady and, and I, I, Tony Romo. You look at those two, and there was a point where Tony Romo was a phenom. He he came on the scene. He was a late draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys. No one expected anything of him. And he played phenomenally well. He was a national phenom. He became a household name very quickly. Okay, Tom Brady, not very much different. The thing that separated Tom Brady from guys like Tony Romo over the course of his career, and and there's been tens of players like that, is his longevity. It's the ability to maintain that level of performance um, and and that, that elite status for such a long time. And I think, you know, like what I was saying with Eminem, it's not that there haven't been other guys that have come in and had big hits that, you know, might go on the radio uh, for a little bit or whatever, but it's doing that for 20 something years, being a 48 year old and arguably putting out music that, that is pretty much, pretty much embarrasses anybody else that's trying to do it. That's 20 years younger and, and, you know, may have the cool factor right now, uh, but just can't compete or can't perform at the same level. I like it, my friend, you know, 80% sports and then a uh, pop culture ranging from gotta, the Mandalorian in there. to Eminem. Okay, let's uh, <laughs> so let's uh let's wrap this one up. Any quick thoughts for what's yes. uh what's coming? Well, I, I do want to say one thing. I had a thought. Closest thing I can think of the Super Bowl and compare it to was the San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan and company playing against a young LeBron James. Um, I don't know if we'll see the Cleveland LeBron that lost to the Spurs in the NBA Finals as far as Patrick Mahomes, or if we will see the Miami Heat LeBron that overthrew finally the San Antonio Spurs years later. Um, But that's what I would compare the Super Bowl to. Uh, What's coming up two weeks from now, two weeks from today, February 9th, 1 p.m., Vince Thompson, CEO of Melt in Atlanta, is joining Mike and myself for the continuation of our Fanalytics Fanalytics webinar speaker series, um, you can register on our website. Um, we'll we'll add the link for this or with the the 
post um, corresponding with this episode. Um, but we'd love to hear you all there. Vince is going to speak with us about how COVID-19 has affected fandom, fan attendance, uh, just all aspects of fandom. Yeah, no, we're really looking forward to that. Um, Vince is uh, Vince is uh, sports marketing royalty, and so you know, <laughs> you know, every, you know, he. When you're down in Atlanta, Vince is just one of those guys that's involved in anything, all the way up to being, uh, you know, guest on places like the Paul Feinbaum show. So you know, Vince is a guy that is a is a must listen to. Uh, the only other thing that I'll sort of give a little bit of shout out to in terms of moving forward is next week, uh, unless something really major happens, and even if it does, I expect that we'll spend a good amount of time talking about the Super Bowl. It is always a big topic. It's something that I think of as kind of a combination of a sports and mm-hmm. marketing holiday. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting Super Bowl coming due, great narratives, but also a little bit of weakness with companies like Pepsi saying they're not going to take part and uh, Super Bowl ad rates being down a little bit. So next week, we'll spend a little bit of time on the the business side of sports. 